0: Welcome to the autumn edition of Radio Walks. I'm sitting on a sofa in Hackney, East London, drinking a nice cup of tea, and the sofa belongs to Kate Poland. Hello, Kate. Hello. How long have you lived here in Hackney?
1: In this house, uh, I don't I'm not very good with numbers, 2006.
0: And it looks 17... like quite an old house. You know it's very,
1: it? it is old. It's um, sort of very early Victorian, I think. So, in fact, I have to be careful I say, because the insurance goes up if I <laughs> if I claim that that say how old it really is. So, um, yes, early Victorian.
0: And why do you live in Hackney?
1: I've lived in the East End since the 80s. I lived in uh, town hamlets over the other side of the park. felt felt Hackney's very diverse and lively and sort of there's so much going on.
0: And you've had quite a few jobs in your time you Mm. were I know you're a journalist then you retrained as a fine artist but you're Mm. a writer a teacher
1: a prison educator Mm. and now what's your role now? I think I'm a gardener now you know that's what I've evolved into and maybe that's the 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 real the happiest job so I'm trying to do more gardening.
0: When I wrote to you to ask you to come on the program you said oh I might even pick a few things up the floor. (laughs) Does that reflect your (laughs) philosophy that that things are best left where they fall?
1: Well well I suppose it's about control I think and um, in the last year of course not having very many visitors I, I It doesn't matter if things are on the floor. But equally in nature, you know, people... You see it when you go to a garden or allotment or anything. You see some people really want to control nature. They want to pull everything out at the end of the season and leave it all clean and and sort of, um, in my eyes, lifeless. But if you just let go a bit and, you know, don't take control, then actually that might not be so good for your vegetables but it's very, it's much better for you know insects and nature so yeah maybe it doesn't matter that the leaves fall i don't clear them up because what will happen is they just stay there and and they'll be pulled down by the worms by spring there won't be any leaves so what was the point of my effort in raking them up when someone else some other animal will do it for me
0: so is your view that nature can look after itself
1: it can if we don't if if we don't you know interfere too much and control it
0: so the greatest threat to nature, it's would you say, is us? Pretty much it. <laughs> And where are we going to walk today?
1: Well, I thought we'd start with having a look at Cordwainer's Garden, which is the first community garden I started, and then um, walk down to a new garden, which is only just started this year, called the Garden of Earthly Delights, and then a more established one in, a, in an estate. Well, we'll just see how far we get, really. And hopefully it won't rain. It's not going to rain check the weather well it's going to it is
0: warm it's windy warm and windy so it's typical autumn isn't it I suppose the windy day oh,
1: yes the, the, the temperature is oh yes that's is that car. your car yes
0: so it's an electric car
1: yes it's fully electric
0: and is that practical or ethical reasons
1: For environmental reasons, yes. Although I'm not sure that, you know, the making of the battery is probably quite detrimental to the environment.
0: So you don't think necessarily it's the answer? It is in the long
1: term, yeah. I mean, obviously it's much better because there are no emissions.
0: So where are we going to walk?
1: We're going to walk down Mare Street, which is the main road there. We can have a little peek into the old Cordwainers Garden, if you like, if we want to...
0: If you think we can get in, well, we can have a go. Okay. So, Cordwainers was your first garden. What's the story behind that?
1: Well, as you can see, it's right next to my house, and I'd look out onto this bit of grass that was just mowed and nothing—you know—it was sort of dead area. So, um, I thought it would be nice to turn it into a garden that would be more beneficial to, obviously, nature, but also the local. Uh, residents. So the college allowed us to do that. I think we had a sort of gentleman's agreement rather than a proper lease.
0: And when was this?
1: And uh, that was in sort of 2010-11, over that winter. And um, yeah, it developed and into a sort of community garden. We had produce shows and we grew natural dyes, because this is a, a fashion college, so I wanted to make that connection between nature, you know, things colour, growing, and what the students are doing inside.
0: And what, what did the college think? thinkers, the London College of Fashion, what did they think of your idea? Did they embrace you?
1: Um, we had um, some, they might throw us off, um, we had some there were, were interests from some of the students, especially the ones who were studying. It seems a bit odd, but something called at the time sustainable fashion <laughs> or fashion futures, and, and this was the first one of the one of the beds we made with them, which is all covered in nettles now. But when we made it, that was all um, dye plants, and it was a sort of um, an example of what you could grow in an urban environment. So we did that that was a collaboration with the college um yeah and now they've we, we never had a gate like this oh yeah oh it's kate is that you robert yeah yeah it's kate we we're just going to have a look at the garden
2: yeah
1: yeah, yeah I, peek, I know can we peek over I the fence i just wanted i don't want to go in i just wanted to see it peek over the fence yeah. don't
0: do mean. you mind so do you mind if well, we just do a bit of recording looking over the fence getting kate to
1: describe yeah, can yeah, that's no, it. Honestly, that I won't break I in. To do a bit no, of you it again. I can't even get it now.
0: <laughs> yeah, because it was broken into.
1: I did wonder because it, it's yeah, it was quite. Opened. Once people sort of knew, would know no, about it. The the good it. thing
0: is, it's the way it lives. I know. The there's loads of and
1: foxes and. Oh,
0: yeah. the, so can you peek over the fence and see? What can you see? Well,
1: it's. It's extraordinary, really. It's, it's, it's sort of, um, what's the word, I think, in environmental as succession has happened, which means that things are growing, you know, brambles, there's tree seeded itself, but it's absolutely, you know, covered from edge to edge in vegetation.
0: So nature's reclaimed it.
1: Absolutely, yeah. The hedge I planted is like about three, four metres high now.
0: So how do you feel about that? Is that a good thing?
1: It is quite a nice thing isn't it that you give nature's got a bit of space just to have a go. I mean what's what would be sad is that they're going to raise you know pull it to bits. You can't call it a garden it's like a mad it's a madness of uh, vegetation.
0: But this is where it all started this is Cordwainer's garden. Yes. Why is it so called do we
1: know? Oh because this building used to be uh, Cordwainer's college and a Cordwainer um, makes the designs and makes the uppers of shoes so they're leather workers and we just wanted to keep that connection. So there is a guild of cordwainers who have nothing to do with us.
0: So a cordwainer is a person?
1: A cordwainer is a person who makes uh, leather shoes.
0: And how did it start? You you say you had the idea because you've lived just over the wall. Yes,
1: I don't think I'd have done it if I hadn't lived over the wall and just seen it. So I think we tried to contact whoever was responsible in in the university and came across. I just saw a notice for a green, I don't know, person and emailed them and said, do you mind if we um, take over some of the garden? And they amazingly said that that would be fine. I don't think they realized we'd be there sort of eight years later.
0: What was your ambition in those early days? What did you think the scope of the project would be?
1: I don't have a garden, so it was like a back garden for me, and it was for other people too. After the, you know the initial creation of the garden, it's like trying to engage other people in nature and see nature as a, you know, we're in it, we're part of it, we're it's around us, you know, even though it's not it's not lions and tigers, it's cheesy bugs and goose grass, you know, it's like. It's still nature and it's still important.
0: Did you have any expertise at that point or are you self trained?
1: Completely self trained. I'd had an allotment, I'd had an allotment for about 10 years, so I'd grown better, but very much self taught. I'd go on any course that, you know, I'm going on a hedge course in a couple of weeks. I, I go on any, you know, insect courses. I'm a member of the Earthworm Society of. Great Britain Um, I've been interested in insects for decades, I remember my sister used to work in the Falkland Islands and she brought me back a book on insects of the Falkland Islands of which, just as a parenthesis there aren't any indigenous ones, all the insects that there are have just been blown over, anyway so yes, I've been interested in in the small things and microbes and the things that are generally overlooked, I, i for a long time
0: or perhaps even trodden
1: on or trodden on and of course as you get more aware of these little things i sometimes um when i'm on the allotment and i trod on a frog once it was just awful i try and think of myself as like um if i was in nature what would i be you know i would probably be a, a large cow you know and but I, I am much more careful about where i tread now
0: We'll talk about that a bit later because you did take on the persona of a creature, I think as part of the yeah. City University project, so yes. we we'll later. I have to confess I didn't know there was a, a, an Earthworm Society of Great Britain. It's quite
1: new. Although Darwin wrote a book about earthworms, not very much is known about them since. They're not, very, they're not like the cuddly end of nature. They are extraordinary creatures and there are areas Farmed areas in Britain where there are no earthworms anymore because the soil's been um, well destroyed, really.
0: So, what's their importance, their significance in biodiversity terms?
1: Well, I mean, there, there are lots of them in a, in a healthy soil, so they provide food for you know, the, all the way up there, this kind of bottom of the food chain, I suppose. They provide food, but they break matter down, you know, and, and where well, they create soil basically. But they can only do that if there are no chemicals and no, you know, sort of pesticides and things in, in the soil.
0: It's been documented that your your philosophy is everyone must have access to nature and green spaces. Everyone yeah. must have that. Yeah. Was that your underlying motivation? For yeah, more. Formation? It
1: drove me more. I would say because I could see that it was a privilege for me that I'm very privileged. I've got an allotment. I grew up in the countryside. So I have a and then I you come across especially in the last year or so with Covid um, access to nature and outdoors was crucial I mean we had our one hours exercise didn't we and some people just didn't have anywhere to go or they didn't feel comfortable in the places that were there and I know that that's more and more it's uh, starting to be talked about but but sort of institutions and community gardens, but big institutions of gardening are not diverse. They're not that wel- you know, welcoming.
0: But in 2019, it all came crashing to hope. Can you explain why that happened?
1: Uh, we just got um, letters from lawyers saying, I can't, I can't swear, can I, but they're saying, go away. I was trying to look at it in a different way. I don't want to go off in a huff. So we did one project at the end, which was to collect as many plants as we could and and make as many colours as we could out of all the plants that were in the garden. So it was a kind that we called it the hackney colour wheel. So we started with dye plants and then we ended with this sort of, um, I wouldn't say a rainbow because you can't get that many colours, but we had about 250 shades of, of different colours that we made from the garden. So I was trying to be positive about it, like I say, not leaving in a half. And then the other thing I wanted to do was if we couldn't save this garden, we could try and save other ones.
0: And what happened next was the formation of the union of Hackney Gardens, Orchards and Wild Spaces. Yes. And you've now got how many gardens as members? I think the
1: last time I looked, uh, there were 71 gardens, members. Should we go and walk and have a look at one of them? Yes, yes, just down the road. So
0: where are we walking to? How far is it from Cor So it's
1: about 10 minutes walk.
0: And what's the name of the garden again? It's
1: called the Garden of Earthly Delights and it's um, Pat to move. This is its second sort of incarnation um, because similar to us it sort of got temporary permission to be somewhere and then got removed because of their' developing. a new entrance at the railway station and they've managed to get another sort of year's worth of garden from the council.
0: Yeah I was going to ask you because on the face of it conserving urban green spaces seems like a really good idea. I'm wondering what the attitude of the local authority was. Did they not give you any practical support?
1: They told us because we went to a, a meeting about um You know, they have these local plans. They basically said that the land was not theirs. You know, it was private land, although it isn't. It's you know presumably owned by the Department for Education. You know, it's public. Anyway, they said it wasn't anything to do with them. So, but they are they are supportive. In away of what we're doing and they talk to us about the union you know they come to us ask opinions and i think the ways to do it is to to involve the gardens at the early stages of planning so if you're going to have a like we just heard um they're going to take the church down and build a block of flats then involve people really involve people instead of just putting a notice up or you know and saying well how would how should we incorporate nature into this development or rather than than what happens now as you build a development they have to have certain um i think they have to have a certain amount of greenery or something in it but you know they'll just stick a green roof on the top and or they might have a community garden on the roof which is of no use to anyone because nobody can get there and it's windswept and dry and all that
0: we're crossing this this road Yes, we've got a we've got a green light mm-hmm. with a cyclist but that way. doesn't
1: <laughs>
0: it's um i have to say uh as a country boy someone who lives in a tiny village
1: it's a bit shocking isn't it walking along do you want to go around Mare the back street? or carry down
0: because no, 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 it's, it's a good experience but walking <laughs> along May street is actually quite a startling and I almost know. frightening experience <laughs> I, I know. Um, I mean, the
1: sound, this the noise, quiet.
0: the noise alone yeah. is uh, kind of the stuff of nightmares.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really, it's not, and I think this is it, isn't it? It's not a calming place, but, yeah, but right. it's, it, it's, a it's a very it's a stressful, stressful environment. environment. And, I, it, and I think we all noticed that last year when it stopped, when the traffic was gone, you know, you just had the occasional bus coming down here, but there was no traffic for about three weeks and... Um, and it stopped, and you thought, oh, hang on a minute, look, the skies are, the skies are clear and I can breathe, and <laughs> anyway. Um, but, on the other hand,
0: no one was going anywhere and doing anything, or making anything, or producing anything.
1: So. Yes, so, so we all became a, yeah, a bit sort of, um, uh, <laughs> sort of, what's the word, unstimulated, Yeah. stuck.
0: <laughs> at least we're in a hurry.
1: <laughs> As uh, a, a Morecambe, Eric Morecambe said, you're not gonna you're not gonna sell many ice creams going at that speed.
0: <laughs> so we'll just let the fifty-five bus go past. <laughs> it, it really
1: 20, is, there's a twenty mile an hour speed limit, but I don't think that's twenty mile an hour.
0: It really is quite frightening I have to say. Yeah.
1: Um, you have to be you have to have your wits about you.
0: Yeah, yeah you do, don't you? How diverse was your, your garden community? Cordwainers, oh, for example, you said you had 20 families.
1: I would say the majority were white women, Yes, yeah.
0: In spite of Hackney being a hugely diverse community. Well, exactly, community.
1: yeah, because, because the one mistake I remember, and I knew I was making a mistake at the time, my neighbour says, oh, I'll invite, I'll ask my friends, you know, my friends to come and join. And I thought, no, we can't do it, we can't do it like that because we're just replicating ourselves, you know. So you get a whole load of 50-something women, <laughs> middle-class women, which is kind of what happens in community because they, you know, they have the, I don't know why they start these things, but they do.
0: Do you think it's a question of perception and branding? Is it just that gardening is seen as yeah. a white middle-class, middle-aged?
1: There is that. Activity? But when you think there is that, in, especially in Britain, where you know we've got the RHS, you know the Royal Horticultural Society and Royal Botanic Gardens, you know it's a very hierarchical system we're in. But if you think about it, the, pe- you know, the people that we're just passing, what Vietnamese? What do you think, Peck Peck, grilled chicken? You know that people come from rural places and places where you know it's not gardening is not confined to white people, is it? And um,
0: do you think there's a better word then than gardening? Would you adopt a different? Yeah,
1: it may be. Yeah, I mean there's a there's a project in um, West London near uh, Grenville Tower uh, which is run by a young black man who's. A footballer, and he talks about this. He says, You know, right, gardening's not for it never felt it like it was for us, so we need to f- maybe find a different word, you know.
0: And of course, a, a huge proportion of the population in Hackney and in, in London and in all urban centres are born and grow up without a garden.
1: Well, yes, I think it's something mad like 90% around here. here
0: we go. Well, what are we passing under now? No, this is
1: the um a line into Liverpool Street.
0: The railway to Liverpool yeah. uh, Street. Um, so far since leaving the now abandoned Broadway in his garden, we haven't had any silence or quietness no, at all. No, I
1: could have taken you the sort of back route, but. But um,
0: I'm looking forward to actually arriving at the Garden of
1: <laughs> Heavenly Delights. Garden of Earthly Delights. Earthly Delights. Yes, not yes. ah, heavenly. Of course, not heavenly, not there yet. So <laughs> not there yet. That's the next stage yeah. on, isn't it? So. Um, not far
0: what what should I expect I don't
1: want to
0: be disappointed
1: it's still going to be I don't know how many earthly delights you'll find but it is a a sort of oasis and they have it's just over the road we can just squeeze through I think can we I can can you squeeze through I'll try I've managed to squeeze
0: through. I can climb over, I'll climb over, (laughs) I think.
1: So it has, it's just coincidence it's gone quiet. (laughs) It is. Actually, as soon
0: as we cross the threshold, it does, I feel, safer and sort of at peace. Yes,
1: and although it's... You know it's a kind of urban mad garden made from all sorts of bits and pieces and leftover things it still has there are things growing in it you know
0: but the ground we're on is concrete
1: yeah Um, so everything has to be raised up it's in raised beds the trees are actually all
0: outside the boundary
1: yeah and it's a
0: Fairly small area. What sort of area are we
1: in here? I don't, um, what's it's that? It's what, about? about
0: maybe 30 square metres. The yeah,
1: base. I mean, this is the size of most community gardens. This is all that, you know, this is a just a leftover space, and that's what, you know, what people are doing. They're, they're sort of squeezing what they can into these spaces.
0: You've got raised beds, yep. and some of them have people's names on. Does that give people a sense of ownership? Do you think this is one of the
1: things we've found? There's a there's a a lot of community gardens want everything to be you know completely communal, and uh, what we found at Cordwainers is that if you if people have their own little patch, they're more likely to want to keep it, look after it, and keep it going, but then you lose some of that sense of communal sort of doing stuff together so it's a bit of a it's a bit of a balance really between
0: how long does it take with members of your gardening communities to for the initial excitement to wear off (laughs) I'm assuming that it's like when people join a gym yeah is there a similar experience it
1: can be yes because it's you know gardening can be disappointing things die you know or they don't throw or some pest will come along and eat it all or Uh, if in an urban goal and you know it might get broken into and trashed and things like that so there are constant disappointments but the disappointments are balanced by the fact that a lot of what you're doing say that here you've got some um cabbage type things they might fail this year but you've got next year you know there's always especially at this time of year you're starting to plan for next year and it's really exciting because everything's going to be better you know you've put everything all your mistakes are behind you, but next year is going to be so much better. So, so there's, it's full of hope. And I think that's why it's one of the reasons it's good for your mental health is it's, it's a very positive thing. You know, if you have something go wrong, you just, you can quite easily start again and see, see a, see a, a, a more pleasant future for your plant. And we're at the end of the season, so it's not. Tons of, and, oh, I just noticed the giant um, dodo
0: giant pink dodo. Yeah
1: (laughs) I Um, didn't see that wasn't here last time I came. No garden should be without a sort of 10 foot giant pink pink dodo. I think it's more than 10 foot actually. It's
0: it's pretty vast. I wonder where that came from. Because I I, I actually thought they were extinct. Especially the pink variety. (laughs) Um, I'm assuming that (sighs) this isn't really productive this space. People are not growing food on a subsistence basis, so presumably
1: enough.
0: your ethos is education.
1: I think, and as much as education goes, it's a, it's sort of just about, yeah, learning and being.
0: So this is like going into the hot house at Kew Gardens, very much, bit, yeah, very it's much. A, so, it's a yeah. polytunnel, <laughs> yeah. and actually, it's looking the plants. Most of them are looking in pretty good. Yeah condition this this has obviously just been so like corian-
1: that looks like coriander winter green no, that's chicory there's a chili or pepper there they've got um, rocket lots of rocket still growing lots of chili peppers lettuce uh, ch- more chilies tomatoes still going and we're in coming up to November so yeah the they're there's an element you know so you might you wouldn't be able to have a whole me- meal but you could have a you know a bunch of herbs and a few bits and pieces to supplement
0: I'm trying to identify the earthly delights here and I think <laughs> I think in the polytunnel we, we found them um, uh, and the pink dodo as well so yes it's, it's
1: a huge there are human delights which is you know things that humans yeah the dodo is fantastic I think um, the main it's only been here for a few months so they had to move their old garden here, wholesale. So, um, but, I, but when I saw it in the summer, it was really quite productive. It's still quite productive.
0: I think the thing that strikes me as we, as we cross through the, the bamboo gate, is, is the contrast, because we do feel removed from, from what we were walking it's
1: through. It's interesting, it is quite, although it's still a busy street out there. We've got a bit of a barrier, we've got plants, that are sort of um, providing a softening. Oh, he's saying Seng. They soften the, the environment and, and that, because it is quite tough. This is one of the founders.
2: Oh, my name is Singh. I'm one of the uh, coordinators uh, of the garden. Uh, we have incorporated an entity to uh, take the lease from the uh, council. We didn't want uh, any one person to be solely responsible for it, so we incorporated an entity, and I'm one of the directors of the, the entity. Yeah. It started first as a squat. then uh, we formally got a license with the council to, to use the space, uh, but then I think now, I mean, the purpose is a fewfold. Uh, I get a lot of joy out of um, showing our community how we can use it, uh, and uh, you know, how you can use uh, a lot of the materials are all scrap materials, and the soil, somebody's digging out a garden, we get soil. And then it becomes a, a bit of a center as well for the for, for knowledge sharing. Uh, during the last year, through lockdown, a lot of the neighbors came by and they said like, can you help us? We've got a space here. Can you help us to, to make uh, a, a planters? And then we say, yeah, come to the garden. Here's a pallet, here are some tools. This is how you take it apart. Uh, and, and here's some soil. And then, you know, we seed that. And then this is how you engage your neighbors get them to uh, suggest what plants to put in, get them to uh, get their buy-in of course. Uh, people don't generally like the look of allotments. It's a bit too wild and too natural for a lot of people. Uh, and make sure that uh, they, they, you get their buy-in and they're okay with it. And then once you have their agreement and, and they can help you as well, you, there's, there's, uh, the sky's the limit for what you can get done. So it goes beyond just growing, growing fruit and veg and plants? Yeah, yeah. It's I, I think, more about building a community. Yes, I mean, I think the, 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 there is an underlying uh, a sort of uh, undertones of environmental uh, uh, awareness. The way I see it is like, you know, your carbon footprint of your, 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 your consumption habits. You can grow mint and your herbs very easily on, on nothing. Uh, and, and why go to the shop and spend a pound for, you know, a bunch of herbs that are not, you know? So it's, it's these things that we're trying to get across, and a lot of, uh, especially where we are in, in the city, a lot of people don't have access to green spaces. Uh, there, there were some, um, uh, some of the neighbors were upset, you know, that they say that why are you always, your gates always locked, it doesn't feel inviting. Uh, but then, you know, it's just like, I can go to the park any time of day, why can't I come here any time of the day? He said, but you can't grow veggies in the park, right? So it's a different purpose, and you want to grow edible stuff here, you want to make sure that nobody vandalizes it, which, unfortunately, in this part, of, you know where we are it's a problem yeah
0: do you feel quite protective of this space
2: uh, me uh, yeah to a certain extent yes i think i can say that i am protective uh, because it's special for me especially being flat, flat bound and uh, there's a, a, a um, emotional connection to it an attachment to it because having put so much effort and time into it and and i think in the amount of time in the last year plus that i've been we've been working extensively on this we've worked met more people in Hackney actually than I have in the last four years that I've been here. And, and there's a whole community of, 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 of like-minded individuals that I've got to meet and learn from. And, and that's, that's fun actually. Can I ask how you came up with the name of the garden, the Garden of Earthly July? Uh, one of the initial founding members of the, the group, uh, they, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's the title of a very famous painting. Uh, Hieronymus Bosch, I think uh, they were great fans of, of the artist, and, and that's how the name came about.
0: So, we've left the garden of Earthly tonight. <laughs> Where are we going
1: now? So, we're just going another garden that, that's longer established and perhaps is perhaps a bit more sort of typical of an estate in that they've they have green space, often a lot of estates have green spaces in the middle, and they're like uh, Seng was saying, they're often just left mown, nobody really uses them, and a few years ago the residents sort of just took it upon themselves to, um, oh yeah, hang on,
0: so, uh, <laughs> just uh, went through a red light. Just the fan goes through red light, so, <laughs> which is kind of what I expect <laughs> in, in this setting. <laughs>
1: Um, I'm, yeah, so
0: I'm desperate for you to get me to another place of safety now. This is okay. like hopping from one oasis to
1: another. <laughs> oh, no, it's, like, uh-uh. it's it's only when you see it through someone else's eyes, like yours, you realise how they are little oases, these places. I mean, you know, if we'd been able to go into Cordwainers, it, it's completely, you know, quiet. Considering how close it is to that road, it's, it's very peaceful garden it's exhausting siren
0: we need some, we need a garden to rest in yeah do you know any of that
1: <laughs> there's one just on that see that corner there.
0: I see so, so where, where are we now
1: it's called the Wilton estate and it's like I say built in the 40s it built like a giant courtyard so this was
0: social housing post-war
1: I think it was just post-war And um, so it's got your, you know, a lot of them have their basketball courts, but they've also got um, sort of allotments. So there's a little um, allotments with some amazing pumpkin there.
0: And is this garden a member of your union?
1: It is, yeah. So they've got the obligatory grass patch in the middle with a picnic bench, but all the sort of edges they've allowed to grow, which is... Oh, oh hello. 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 Hello, you're not going to bite me.
0: Is he a French bulldog? Yeah, oh,
1: kind of, yeah. <laughs> oh. Do, you,
0: do you live here? Yeah. All right, so this is your garden. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs>
2: what's, your, what's your dog's name? Uh, Chloe. Chloe
1: ah. and uh, Mia. Mia. Mia is a small one. Oh, tiny. <laughs> oh, what a t- that's the tiniest dog on earth, isn't
0: it? Yeah, I think so.
1: Anyway, it's very green, it's very sort of alive with life. And yeah, and it's it's flowers. There's still colour even
0: at this time of year. What, yeah. What's this plant? Do you know what this plant is in front of us? It's a gorgeous, <laughs> vivid sort of purple, it's, isn't it's it? It's a fuchsia. It's a fuchsia, isn't it? A yeah. yeah. um, fuchsia pink. Maybe it's a fuchsia then.
1: <laughs> and then these are um, currants and yeah. bindweed. And then there's some more growing spaces. It's quite, but you can see some of these are abandoned, some of them are. Hmm. Yeah this is the thing about you saying earlier. you know it's quite it can be quite daunting gardening it can be overwhelming
0: why have you stuck with it
1: it's it can take you away from you know it can it's one of those things it's just therapy isn't it you can sit and weed and you're in the present you're not in the you're not regretting anything you're not planning anything in the future you're just dealing with that thing there absorbing.
0: You're described as a postcode gardener, an urban gardener, and you've said that you think gardening is political, yeah. empowering and, and, and rebellious, why can you explain what you mean by that?
1: Growing something can be very uh, political so just even if you think about what a seed is nowadays there are probably only four major seed companies and they're their contr- they're controlling and coincidentally that maybe it's down to three now multinational massive companies coincidentally they're all chemical companies like Bayer Um, so if you can say that sunflower there you just save the seeds of that and sow that next year you're cutting out you know you're taking a bit of power back because they've they've kind of um, cut us out from being able to save seeds in a lot of cases. I mean, what could be more sort of political and important than that?
0: I'm thinking about the the rebellious side of it. Uh, is it that it's to plant a garden in this setting is an act of rebellion because it's not meant to be?
1: Yeah, yeah there's a, I don't know if it was always like that. But, I mean, probably it wasn't. I I think these places, and this era of building, everyone was given a little bit of back garden. Every flat has got um, access. They've got a balcony there or something, and there was space here. But that's been sort of bred out of us, almost, that we're kind of comfortable with the hard landscape. And to put a garden here, I mean, you can hear it. It's quiet, it's kind of peaceful. and um, I don't know if that's rebellious, wanting quiet and peace, and it, it shouldn't be rebellious, but it's become that way because the mainstream is hard landscapes, flat screen tellies, you know, cars, or, you know, the technology, I suppose, and this is anti-technology.
0: So could we add to your your list of monikers, your urban gardener, postcode gardener? Are you also rebel gardener?
1: It's a nice thing to think like that but I'm not a, I don't feel I'm naturally rebellious.
2: Perhaps I am.